0: Welcome, glad you could be here. Welcome, welcome. Hello, hello, and welcome. I'm Dan, your friendly fishmonger at dancefish.com. We do this every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. That's 9 Eastern for those that are mountain challenged. Glad you could join us. And we have an exciting giveaway tonight. In fact, this whole month we have a series of exciting giveaways from the Iowa Aquatics Hobbyists group. you can find them on Facebook, and so we'll talk about that in just a moment. But first, we need to do our shipping report. I just checked with uh, with Johnny before... Okay, yeah, just a second ago to, to see if there was any losses, because as far as I knew, as of earlier today, we had no issues, and I just got the, the confirmation from Johnny that, indeed, we've had no losses um, since we talked to you last. So, I believe that's three weeks in a row um, that we've had 100% arrive alive and uh, thrive for people. There's one issue that I'm going to tell you about with a giant auto Um Well, I'll tell you about it right now. So, there was a fish that arrived on Tuesday. Uh, it, it was a giant auto and the customer took a picture and sent it to me, and there's a definite lump. On the fish like uh, not on the jawbone but kind of on the throat maybe next to the jawbone or maybe it is right on the jawbone it's kind of right up here Um, no idea what it is something I should have seen when I inspected that fish because I'm the one that caught that fish and put it in the bag for the customer um, and changed the water on and everything like me personally these hands did that I can't I can't blame Mandy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I can't blame random arms, can't blame anyone but myself. Um, and it, it's an obvious thing, It's, but it's not like a little thing. It's not like a little ick thing or anything. Um, I don't know what it is. It looks just like a little lump, just like if a person had a random lump of skin or something like that. So we are keeping an eye on that. I've asked that customer to let us know if there's any difficulties or problems that result from that. I'm hoping the fish just settles in and just, just happens to have a skin tag or something, I'm not sure. Um, Yeah, but that's the only issue. I think that fish is perfectly healthy. I just missed uh, something that I should have caught. So not a DOA and not a fish that arrived sick or anything, we don't think, but still not a primo event. But in the last three weeks, that's, uh, that's the only real issue I can recall right now, so that's pretty good. With that, we're gonna move on to the giveaway. So, the IO Aquatic Hobbyist Group, you can find them on Facebook. In fact, let me, let me show you their Facebook page. Right here is sponsoring the entire month of May with giveaways, so providing giveaways for the entire month of May. So, they are going to be giving away a different cool fish thing each week Um, throughout the entire month. Today it happens to be a group of cherry shrimp and it will be at least 15 shrimp um, including some buried females and um, if you would like to say thanks to them or have any interest in a Facebook group, if you're looking for a Facebook group consider joining this one, Iowa Aquatic Hobbyist. Since they're providing the giveaway, I'm gonna tell you a little about them. So something I look for when I look at a Facebook group, and I don't do a lot of Facebook, but when I do, I look for a group that's very active and is positive. And I've kind of vetted this group and gone over their posts for the last little while, and I think they're that case. So there's all these posts just from today, which means it's an active group that people want to be part of. I'm scrolling, I'm still seeing, we're only six hours out, 10 hours out, two hours out, hours out, three hours out, three hours out, three hours out, one one day, okay, we got to a day. Oh, five hours, so we're still today. So there's all this activity, and I think if I keep looking, I'll see, okay, now we're getting to three days, so, yeah. All this activity, which means it's active, and the posts and the responses are, positive and i'm not saying they're all like rah rah yay but you aren't having uh those issues that you can sometimes have in groups now of course any facebook group can develop those any youtube channel could develop those like those things can happen when people get together but so far it seems an active group that isn't just there you know yelling at each other so so that's pretty good (laughs) so um Anyway, if you're looking for a Facebook group about fish, this seems to be an active, positive one. Iowa Aquatic Hobbyists. So, you know, check them out. Give them a look-see. Or, if nothing else, enter the giveaway here and see if you can win some cool shrimp. So, I was going back and forth on what the phrase should be for today. I was thinking Iowa Aquatic Hobbyists, but that seemed uh, like people would type it wrong. There's a lot of you know you could mess up with your thumbs a lot trying to type all that and so I just went with I a H I hashtag I a H standing for Iowa aquatic hobbyist so if you'd like to enter to win a group of 15 um, red cherry shrimp with at least some buried females then in the chat all you have to do is enter hashtag I a H no spaces or anything caps don't matter and uh, that should get you entered to win looks like it's working people are coming in okay good so thank you to the iowa aquatic hobbyist facebook group for uh for providing the giveaways for the entire month that's awesome first time we've ever had someone that was like yeah i'll do a month (laughs) that's pretty cool thanks so much now i have some exciting news we have some Cool fish. That, did my voice just crack? Apparently I'm 14 again. Cheers to puberty. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> high school, here I come. Anyway, um, what was that junior high? I don't even remember. Anyway we have some amazing fish that we just listed on the website so i'm quickly going to show you the new fish that are available right now at dancefish.com they were just listed about 10 minutes ago here they are the first one is Nanostomus rubocaudatus um, which means red tail which is interesting because they have a tail and they have red but their tail certainly is not red Um, this is one of the beautiful pencil fish out there one that makes us all drool. Really, really good looking fish. And we have a second species as well, Morton thaleri. Now these pictures with this white line, that's kind of the flash. They don't actually really have that. They look more like this. Pretty much a solid red, or this. Solid red between um, between the black stripes. And the reason, that the, the, the way you can tell these apart is on the Morton thaleri right here on the dorsal fin. You'll see a little white spot in the front of the dorsal fin towards the body, and then it turns red towards the tip. Whereas in rubro it is red on the bottom of the dorsal fin and clear on the top. Hopefully you can see that. Hopefully these pictures are coming through clearly enough. So white on the bottom, red towards the top. This shows the red a little clearer maybe. Whereas Rubro red on the bottom, white on top. The other thing is, in Rubro the red does not go all the way through the face. See these? The red doesn't continue through the face. Where it does in Morton Thaleri. It continues all the way up to the tip. So, two beautiful, beautiful pencil fish. Common names on these, I don't know why this is called the purple pencil fish. It's definitely red. Like, this... That purple color, I've I've never seen that. (laughs) To me, that's maybe a Photoshop job or a weird camera thing. They look like this to me. And they do look this good. This is not, you don't have to to doctor these up. Now, they don't always look like that, though. Sometimes they'll look more like this, a little more faded. Um, The way uh, Random Arms describes it is that a kid took a color crayon and kind of colored between the lines (laughs) so they do here you go see this that the color's not all the way there not fully colored up um so but they always look really good even this is pretty and there's always a few in the group that are colored up these guys again i don't think that's an accurate depiction because it's got that weird white line these guys generally do look this good maybe when they first come in and are stressed out they don't but in general they do look this good now on the um coral red pencil fish the morton thaleri i think i might only have males there are four in there that might be females but they could also just be males that are not feeling dominant or colored down i don't know on the um, rubrocaudatus, the uh, the purple pencil fish, I don't know why they're called that but they are, on the rubrocaudatus it appears that we have a fairly even mix of males and females, however I don't know for sure, like I have several that look like this which I think are female, however I don't know for sure if they are female or are males that are colored down because a lot of them have a little bit of red down in this area. So maybe they're just colored down males. So I can't guarantee pairs. If you want pears, if you order, then let it give us a note at checkout. And on the rubrocadatus, the purple pencil fish, um, we have a good chance. I can find one that looks pretty much like this and like this and send them to you. But if this one colors in later, my bad. <laughs> like Just understand that's a risk. Whereas these, I can probably only send you mails, okay? So that's the pencil fish. We also have some wrestling half beaks, and we have both kinds. We have the normal natural colored half beak, which, oh that's weird, look at this. This is the same picture, better resolution, and then this is the same picture without the watermark all over it. Oh, weird. Anyway, this is a, a normal colored, I would say, wrestling half beak see if I can find another here you go they they're kind of a brown to maybe silver color and they do have some red in the the anal fin and dorsal fin this is a female you can tell because the tail fins more like a fan and this is a male because the front half of that fin is kind of compacted up against the body that's it's uh it's it's modified fin so it can fertilize the female they're a live bear like guppies and then we also have the platinum half beak which can look platinum, but can also look silver or bronze or gold, but they're definitely metallic. So both of those remind me of little alligator gars. Really cool little fish. We have another species of half beak. It's the one from Tanga, Hamira Hampton Tanga. And they do look every bit this good. They really are this pretty. Um, They have these bright gold lines on them and they do have some red in the tail fin, so uh, this is not an exaggeration, I think that fish looks every bit that good. This one too, you can kind of see the line there and the line there, so really neat little half beak. Now unlike the other half beaks, the wrestling half beaks, these are interesting because they are one that practices internal fertilization, but they lay eggs. So the male fertilizes the female internally just like a guppy or sore tail or whatever, but then the female later, later will lay eggs. She doesn't give birth to live babies like, like the wrestling half beaks do. We have some quarries. We have more smudge spot quarries, the uh, Corridor similis. Cute little cori, sometimes call, called the violet cori. We also have some con color, which are really cute. Kind of a, a bronze colored fish with yellow to orange fins. Um, and they do have a really nice bright green gill plate. You can kind of see it here. I'm going to have to show you my picture to see it. Let's see here. See this? This bright green on the perculum and right behind it? That's kind of neat. So that's corridor's con color. We have some marbled hatchet fish. It's funny, Mandy always tells us that these make her hungry because they make her think of marbled coffee cake. We have another kind of hatchet fish as well, which is called the uh, fin spot hatchet fish, sometimes called the platinum hatchet fish, and they're called the fin spot because it's hard to see in these pictures, but the dorsal fin has a black spot on it, unlike um, the last species of silver hatchets we have. I forget which one it is. It's a different genus altogether, actually. So spot fin, because once they settle in, you'll see little, uh, dark spot, uh, a little dark spot on the, on the dorsal fin. And this is interesting, look at the skeleton of one of these. Like this huge mass of bones right here, that is just to hold the muscles that power this pectoral fin right here that they use as a wing. They're basically the freshwater version of a flying fish. They will catch air and fly. So you need a lid on your tank if you're gonna keep hatchet fish. But that's why they have that hatchet shape. It's this big mass of bones so they can attach a bunch of muscles to them to power these wings, if you will, um, so they can jump out of the water and glide. Bleeding Heart Tetras, one that I think we all know and love. Um, Good size, one and a half to two inches, so um, good big ones. My first time with these, these are the Green Line Lizard Tetra, or the Slender Tetra, there's lots of different names for them. Um, If this comes into focus, this is a pretty decent picture of them. I would say that under good lighting, that's an accurate depiction of this fish. It's more an oddball tetra, so uh, one you're not going to see often, so if you're into like the oddball things, um, this is a good one, and they're doing great. Slender, kind of a different shape tetra. I guess South America's answer to a Danio, (laughs) maybe. (laughs) And Something about them, the, the name is interesting. Let's see, can I find seriously fish here? Um, well, you, you can see it here, right? Iguanodectus spirulis. What that means is spot-tailed lizard eater. <laughs> Just such a funny name for a fish. The scientific name literally means spot-tail, which, you know, this spot on the tail, spot-tailed lizard eater. So I have no idea how they got that name. Maybe there was like a dead iguana in the river, and the scientists saw it, and there's all these little fish around, kind of picking on it or something. I don't know. Funny name though. Spot-tailed lizard eater. And then last but not least are some spotted Rio Nene angels, um, and they. This is a good picture to represent that fish. I think this is a pretty accurate depiction of that fish. Um, really long ventral fins, nice red coloring on the fins and spotted um, on the body. If you'd like to see the ones we have available then if you go to DansFish.com go to menu and hit sortable stock list and it'll sort by the most recent then these are actual pictures that we took of these fish Uh, some of them are older. Um, If we've had the fish before like these the orange Venezuelans and and the smudge spots, they might be an older picture. But this picture was taken, I don't know, a few days ago, as was this one. This one was taken yesterday or the day before. So was this. So you get a good idea of what the actual fish, and look at this guy. This guy's awesome. Um, It's not the best picture. I'm not a great photographer, but you can kind of see the red in the fins and the spots on the body and the long ventrals. Um, I think we have another shot here. Don't mind the bloodworms, it's, it's not a bunch of poop, it's just bloodworms. <laughs> anyway, um, we, we take our own pictures unless otherwise noted, and so you can kind of see what we, you're actually getting. So, oh yeah, so I don't know why I showed the other pictures of this. This is a good picture of this fish, the wrestling half beak, the red here, and they often get red on the anal fin as well. This is a female. See how the fins fan-shaped? And she's fat, she gave birth to a, a litter after this picture was taken. And the mail. And these are older pictures, this was the last batch, but it's, it's pretty accurate. So anyway, let me close down all these pictures so I don't have so many windows open. Um, that's what we listed for sale as of, um, I don't know, a little before we went live, a couple minutes before we went live. In fact, I was kind of like banging away in a hurry to get them all listed right before we went live. CurlKitty08, how do you get such great pics? Well, first, thank you. I, I don't think I always do. But the way I do that is I follow Jimmy Gimble, um, And some other photographers, but Jimmy, who works at Aquarium Co-op. Uh, a lot of us know of Jimmy Swiskey. Um, he's been taking pictures for a few years uh, and, and a lot of fish pictures so I was looking for a camera and some tips and Jimmy's done a few tutorials on that and um, so i watched his stuff and he recommended a camera and I looked into it and I was like that sounds good so I got the camera so I, I got a camera which helps it's a Sony a7 III. And it makes even someone that's a really bad photographer like myself look fairly good. And so uh, the camera's most of it. Good camera. And I, I bought some special lighting. So I splurged and got a few. Um, what were they? The fancy Fluval light. I forget. I think they're the 2.0 that I have. Maybe it's the 3.0. I think it's the 2.0s. And I put some of those on the tank when I take a picture. So I get bright, bright light. All you need to know really to take good pictures is about um, shutter speed and f-stop. Really that's it. How quick is your shutter shuttering? Do you have enough light that it can in that brief instant capture the fish? Or do you need to give it a longer shutter time? And if you give it a longer shutter time, this is a fast swimming fish, is that going to blur? So once you figure out kind of what shutter speed you have to do to take pictures of an active fish versus like a pleco that's just sitting there, right? You can figure out what f-stop, meaning depth of field. So how quick does the shutter shut and how deep is the image in focus? Once you figure out how to manipulate those and know how much light you need um, to get the shutter speed you need and the depth of field you want then the a7 III takes care of the rest. So I'm at the point now where I only shoot on manual, I'm able to manipulate those settings, uh, ISO a little bit, but really it's just shutter speed and depth of field. Having enough light to, to support that. And then what I do is, every time I get a good picture, it probably took me several hundred bad pictures to get that good picture. So I'll, I'll, I'll get the lighting on there. Um, and usually I do this uh, a couple weeks after I've had the fish, so they're kind of used to us and they're not as shy and things like that, right? And I'll sit there, um, oh, also wear a black shirt. That helps so that you're not reflecting like a bright tie-dye shirt you know, into the picture. Um, and uh, I get down there and I pick a point and I just click that button and hold it. And I just machine gun that sucker. And as the fish swim back and forth, I'll take hundreds of bad pictures, but a few of them will probably be in focus. So that's how I do it. I'm not good. I just uh, take a lot of pictures real quick, and if I can't get them in that point of focus, then I I change the depth of field a little bit, take it, focus a little further back or further forward or whatever, and just shotgun away until I find a fish that happens to be caught at the right moment. That's how I do it. Now, with digital, though, you can take lots of pictures, and um, it doesn't matter if 200 of them are bad you know or all sometimes all of them are bad Um, you just need that one it's all you need so now the lenses we have that's important too is we have a a 90 lens um, that kind of helps us get up really close so if you have a lens that allows you that kind of macro right up close focus without losing focus that's helpful and then we also have a 50 millimeter lens that actually has a range. What is it? It's what I'm using right now. goes from 28 to 50. So it's kind of an adjustable um, lens. So those are the two lenses we have. Kind of bare-bones setup. Good camera. They're not cheap. Um, but if you have that camera and just a couple lenses, the, the rest, once you know depth of field and shutter speed, you're good. Yeah, that's that's it. So bad photographer just take a lot of pictures. And I watched enough of Jimmy's stuff to get the most basic idea. Well, and we've read the manual and I have, you know, watched some other photographers as well on YouTube and kind of figured out some basics, but that's really, that's really it. I'm glad you think that the pictures are good, thank you. (laughs) Every now and then they really are. Sometimes I'm like, oh the other thing is focus on the eyeball of the fish. I try to get the eyeball in focus. So as I'm going through all the bad pictures, all I'm trying to do is find one where the eyeball's in focus. And if it's in focus, then I'm like, okay, I can use that. All right. So that's what's going on here in my neck of the woods. Let's find out what's going on with all of you folks. Um, So if you have a question or comment for us, leave it down below. Just type at Dan's fish so it highlights for me and I'll get right to it. I want to thank my moderators before I do that. A sincere thank you for being here and doing what you guys do every week. Really appreciate you. And um, I always forget to ask this until the end of the stream, but I'm going to ask it now. Is Punchy Paints going next? If so, let me know, Punchy Paints, so I can send people your way. So I want to support you because you support me. All right. With that, yep, let's get to the questions and comments here. Now, chat has jumped a few times, so I might not be able to see everything, but I'll do my best. I do see, I've got a little super chat here from Xanadu. Dude, Xanadu, thank you so much. I'm glad I stocked up on Dancefish gift cards during the Vinay auctions. Also, FYI, the Petco tank sale is back on this month. If you're reaching for some of those and need more space, get them while you can. Awesome. Yes. More tanks equals world peace. Do your part for world peace. Set up more tanks. Get more relaxed. Yes, indeed. You know, until you get to the point where it's stressful and then there's no world peace. Don't set up so many that you stress out. <laughs> but, I mean, I jokingly say that, but part of me is like, you know what? Aquariums for me are so relaxing. Um, just having that bit of nature in my home. And there's something therapeutic about that. You know, they live in 3D space and how they move in the water and the bubbles and all that. I really do think it is a de-stressor for people. And if more people had tanks, I think there would, you know, maybe it would be a little less stressful world. So, the fun way I say that is more tanks equals world peace. Carmos Creations, may the fourth be with you, you as well. Thank you for the live stream. Thank you for being here or it wouldn't be much of a live stream. So, you're welcome and thanks right back. Let's see here. I want to make sure my stream health is good. Okay, it is. Oh, I must have missed a super chat because it says that the chat revenue is $23, and I only see Xanadu's um, chat for 20 Whoever I missed, I'm so sorry. If a moderator could point me in that direction and let me know who that was, I would like to thank that person. I hate it when people throw money at me, and I don't even have the, the decency to say thank you. So thank you. Ira Nelson, what Cory would you recommend in a 90 gallon with three? Wow! One foot of this fish. It's not a rice fish. No, no, no. What is this? Okay. Erpaticthes calibraceus. What is that? Oh, the reed fish. I was right, it is the rope fish. Okay. (laughs) Every now and then, my brain remembers things I don't even know it knows. So here we go. The rope fish. Okay. Quarries with rope fish at one foot. You know what I would... Mm. Well, even though the rope fish is currently one foot, it it might get bigger than that. Um, So you might need to think long-term so thinking long-term what I would probably go for is not a Corydorus I'd probably go with a Brocus species I've seen Brocus splendens like big fatties at five inches I don't think that a, a rope fish even full-grown would be bothering them so here's the Brocus species um here's no oh, that's multiradiatus. let's let's just look at splendens because that's the one that you're probably going to be able to find And I've seen big, chunky splendens. Yeah, like a big adult splendens. I don't think that even a big adult ropefish would bother them. And uh, what is their size? Let's just see what Planet Catfish has to say about this. Um, It says three inches. I think I've seen them bigger than that. Let's see. Is Planet Catfish available? They usually are. There it is. It's not the end-all be-all, but I think that they tend to be 3.9 inches. That, That seems more like it. About four inches. Yeah. And I think I've even seen them bigger than that. There were some, I've seen some big ones. So that's my thought, Ira, is just uh, what gets big enough that when the rope fish are full grown, it, you don't have any danger of anyone getting eaten or getting stuck in someone's throat and spining out or whatever. So that's my thought. Eric, White rock? Why not? What's your favorite pencil fish? I don't know, I should probably say one of the ones I just listed for sale, um, just because they are gorgeous. But I also like Equus, I also like Forty. Um, I will say uh, the colors of the red coral and the purple pencil fish are amazing. And I like them both, but I probably lean towards the red coral just because the color on them I think is more intense. Um, however, there's something nice about the purples because the white they do have kind of is a nice contrast to the red. So I'd have to flip a coin, but it probably be would be one of the two that I have. Uh, I think I still have Beck forty, but um, it'd probably be one of the two new ones just because the color is is crazy. It really is. It's as good as the pictures. Like those pictures don't lie. It really is that good. Um, yeah, I, I think that's what I would say. i Not have to flip a coin between the two. I've gone back and forth a few times since I've had them, trying to figure that out. Super chat from Alexander Engelhart. Alexander, thank you so much as always. Um, appreciate it. How do you like? Yeah, just thank you. <laughs> a sincere thank you. I was like, how do I, how do I actually make it seem like I'm grateful because I am. Um, so, thank you. (laughs) Luigi is better. Funky font Luigi. Do you know where to buy mini dragon loaches? Huh. I don't know if I know that one. I know that they're extremely rare, but I've been trying to get a hold of them for a while. Okay. So this is the same genus as the sumo loaches. Let's take a field trip real quick, folks, and see if we can see if we can see what these are quick field trip over to the museum here oh that is cool looks like i need another eye cut one off wow yeah i've never seen this fish when it comes to super rare fish fish from asia um the place i would check is my friend wesley wong um, he is on Instagram can I show you Wesley I'm trying to find it he's always got stuff on Instagram so I'd be surprised if I can't okay cool on on Facebook he's rarefish on um, Instagram he's fugu puff this is Wesley Wong and he gets all kinds of really cool, he's a rare fish specialist. Um, I do some rare fish and, and I can get some stuff that he doesn't have but he can get a lot more stuff that I've never even heard of before. So he's, he's like the real deal when it comes to rare rare fish. Um, so here's a cross river puffer for example. That's pretty cool. Man, oh, that's a cool fish. Some neat rhinogobius. Um, he was the first one I know of, along with uh, my friend Stan Sung, to bring in the uh, emperor loach. What was it? Royal emperor loach? Let me see if I can find a picture of this thing. This thing's amazing. Emperor clown loach, maybe? Royal Empress loach? I don't know the the scientific name or I would... Oh, I can't find it anyway it's an amazing I saw him in Wes's it was house when he first got him in um, big picture a big clown loach that's slender and with like even more variable pattern all over it uh, I, I can't remember the name but anyway he can get that kind of stuff so I would suggest going to Instagram and reaching out to fugu puff um, or going to Facebook and reaching out to um, rare fish. Now another guy on Instagram is my friend Ross, who also specializes in rare fish. Um, Let me see if I can find finder of fish. Here he is. So this is Ross, finder of fish. Um, that's what he does he goes and he finds rare fish for people it's kind of his job Uh, he also helps me with imports and things he's a great guy but ross is another guy to reach out to um can get all kinds of neat stuff in so um finder of fish on instagram i don't know what ross's uh facebook handle is or or wes uh fugu puff um that's where i would check luigi because that's not something I've even heard of, and when it comes to that kind of stuff, those are the guys I go consult. TM Aquatics. Dan, regarding the Nanostomus uh, Morton thaleri, I have been breeding them. They look great in large groups, but a single pair in a heavily planted tank works best for breeding. Cool. Um, TM, let me see if I can show you... Let's see. Do I have any that I think might be females in my pictures? I'm just... I think they're mostly males. And I'm not confident that the that what I think are females are even females cuz they still have some red on them. But maybe that's normal for this fish. I don't know that much about it. So let's see here. Let's see if I got any any perhaps females or did I just get the per- I think I might have just got males. Oh shoot. Yeah, okay. I might take a picture uh tom of some of the females in that group and send them to you, and you can maybe tell me if they actually are or not. Because I hate to send someone a, a female and then have it turn out to be what I fear it is, which is a male that's just not colored up. Um, Kayla's Aquatics and Exotics throwing down with Pippi Longstocking here to make our day. <laughs> here it is, my favorite sticker Pippi Longstocking as a cheerleader. <laughs> Thank you, Bob. Appreciate you, as always. <laughs> I needed a little pippy in my life today. Pippy makes you peppy. Orange cones, any half beaks okay in a planted tank with hatchet fish, um, with both being top dwellers. By the way, all my chili rasbora's are doing great, already colored up eating and schooling. Awesome, I knew they would. Guys, the batch of chili rasbora's I have is the best batch I've ever had. They came in fat and like I wouldn't have done it, but I could have sold them right out of the bag. They were that good. Usually when chili rasboras show up, this is Beraris Bridgetay. Usually when they show up, they take many weeks, often more than a month, to get them healthy and ready to sell because um, they often come in emaciated. But I tried them from a new source this time and I had kind of stopped bringing them in. Um, Over the last couple years, I think I've only brought them in Maybe twice. Tried a couple different suppliers, and, and it was one of those cases where they all came in emaciated. I had to take care of them for, I think it was literally at least six weeks for each batch um, to get them healthy and stuff. Um, and maybe I'm remembering wrong. Maybe there was a decent batch in there somewhere. But in general, it's a nightmare. Tried a new source, and they came in great. So, um, you know, hopefully that's consistent with this source. But I knew they'd do good for you. They. They're what you want. <laughs> They're what I want to receive when I when I bring them in. It's like finally some good ones. Um, I don't know if I would keep half beaks with hatchet fish just because of competition for the same niche. And half beaks are so much more sedate and slow you know that the hatchets can be kind of active on them. I suppose if I had full grown half wrestling half beaks, and that's a two inch fish or so, then, and they knew the tank well and knew when feeding time was and all that, then maybe I would try introducing some hatchets in the tank with them. But I've had a, I'd have a plan B ready because hatchets are fast and active and they might stress out the, um, the half beaks. And until they're full grown, those half beaks are... I, I wouldn't even try it. They're so skinny that it wouldn't take much to slurp them up like a worm. Curl kitty 8 thanks! Awesome, I'll start playing with my camera again. Yeah, do it. If I can take a decent picture, you can. I mean, I am not a good photographer. I, I know next to nothing about it. So, if I can do it, kind of anyone can. <laughs> That's the level I'm at. I'm the hope for the masses if Dan can do it, we all can (laughs) Joshua Heffelfinger what made you get into the hobby and what is your favorite fish right now? So I've always been fascinated with nature Um, growing up I'd rather be out like playing with bugs and chasing lizards than watching TV, it's just always been a thing, I, I don't know if I was born with it or what but my earliest memories are things like catching grasshoppers and and throwing them to the chickens to watch the chickens you know chase someone and all that um or or uh or just you know grabbing handfuls of grass and putting it through the chicken wire and the chickens grab my early childhood's full of chicken memories <laughs> so I, I grew up really liking animals and i've done a lot of them i've done reptiles i, I built an eight av- like when i was this is how nuts it is when i was like 12 um i I had a friend who had a bunch of spare lumber in their yard that they had had plans for and uh, didn't end up ever needing. So I went over there, my mom drove me over with our pickup truck, I loaded it all in, brought it back to the house, and like built an aviary. And I kept uh, cockatiels and, and uh, was it, no, out there, yeah, I think I kept cockatiels out there, uh, maybe some society finches, um, maybe like diamond doves, something like that, I Can't. Remember. it's a long time ago. So as a kid I was doing this stuff. Um, I'd build enclosures for reptiles and I bred chameleons and colubrid snakes and all kinds of stuff. Um, Off and on throughout my childhood I'd occasionally stumble into an aquarium at a pet store or a friend's house or something and I always thought they were awesome but I never had the... I I was creatively rich but cash poor and I didn't ever have the funds to kind of get one set up but um, the summer between sixth grade and seventh grade uh, my little brother got an aquarium a little 10 gallon tank that sat on our kitchen counter and I fell in love with that thing and by that time I was old enough I was mowing lawns you know making 425 an hour it was big money and uh, I just I was like I want some of these so I went and mowed a ton of lawns and uh, saved up my, my money in ended up getting fish and never looked back so that's kind of how it started a general love for animals tried lots of them I like lots of them but fish are the one that stuck for me um, and what's my favorite fish right now um, my favorite is Fundula Panchak's garden gardeneri just because it's the first fish that it's a killifish it's absolutely stunning and it's the first fish that I saw like in books in the library and really wanted and was able to track down and get um, you know, I had some folks that had connections with the American Killifish Association that I that I knew, and they they hooked me up. You know, so I saw this stunning picture in a in a book in the library because that's how it was back then, <laughs> no internet. And um, I remember that. I remember a few different Nothobronchia species, Bluegularis, things like that. But the, the gardener I were the ones I really wanted and I, I took that picture into the pet store and I showed it to the guy and I'm like, can, can we get these? What is this? He happened to be a member of the American Killifish Association and a geek himself. And so I was able to get some. So it was, you know, that's the one that, that I remember. Seeking that, getting that and breeding that and raising that and being successful with it. So that's why it's my favorite. It's because it's awesome and just for nostalgic reasons as well. They're hardy, they're beautiful and they're prolific breeders. So. Easy, easy fish. Fun little Panchak's gardener. Right? eye. Punchy Paints is going next. All right, if you want more fish goodness uh, after this, then check out Punchy Paints. She'll be going live at about 9 p.m., Mountain Standard Time, after I'm done. I'll get done about 8.30, and she'll go about half an hour afterwards. Good to hear from you, Pam. Hope you're doing well. Alex, best shop around North Central Indiana. Um, could vote Fo- or indiana or is that iowa i think that's iowa yeah sorry my abbreviations <laughs> i think the lowercase abbreviation threw me off there alex <laughs> um i don't know anyone here from iowa chime in let us know what's a good shop around north central samuel Fernal, uh, joseph fernald favorite species of freshwater goby ready set go that's easy rhino gobius uh, what is it called? It used to be called Wuii. Um, now it's called like Duospilus or something like that. Uh, rhino... Okay, field trip. Check this Gobi out. There it is. Duospilus. used to be called Wuii. W-I-I used to be its name, which is so much easier. These guys are really cool. Um, what's an actual picture of one? Because I'm seeing lots of Rhino gobia species here. But they aren't the right one. Here you go, pretty little rhinogobius. I love the red striations on the gills. Um, just a cute little fish. And the, oh, here's this is a good picture of them. Yeah, I mean it's a dark picture, but you can see the orange and the fins on this picture. Um, and I think that they're probably my favorite because they were the first rhinogobius I kept successfully. I just really like these guys. But all the rhinogobius. I think are super cool. Now, I also like stifidons and all that, but were my first, so I tend to be nostalgic like that. Any fish that I really wanted and finally found and like had a good experience with, that, that feeling sticks with me. John Keith Gardner, do we have a timetable when the Amazon puffers will be ready? Um, they finished the flubendazole treatment two days ago, so um, they've been through their Prasian Metro and now they are um, on the flubendazole no, they finished the flubendazole. I'm going to wait a couple more days because I want to make sure the flubendazole is completely out of their system and then I'll start the levamisole which is for worms and um, once the levamisole treatments are done then they'll be ready to go. They're they're looking good. Almost all of them are looking good. There's still a couple fish in each tank that are not eating well um, and are not gaining weight. I'm hoping the levamisol will fix them. Um, if not, I'm not sure what to do with those couple. I'll, I'll separate them out and see if maybe less competition helps or something like that. But in general, the majority of the, them are doing great. So fingers crossed the levamisol helps those last ones, and if not, I'll separate them. And I mean they did I fed earthworms today, and even the skinny ones went for it so they're definitely tempted by earthworms so um, and they like scuds and stuff so there are some things that tempt them but you you can't treat for every problem at once right so (laughs) the the first two medications did not get whatever's bugging them so I'm hoping the third one will and we'll go from there but once the levamisole treatment starts then um, then we're about nine days I treat, wait three days, treat, wait three days, treat again. That's how I do the, the Lavama sauce. So that's a, a nine-day treatment, then wait a couple days to clear them out. So somewhere around two weeks, I would say. They'll be ready to go. And they're they're getting fatter every day. Like almost all of them, except for just those couple exceptions, are doing great. By the way, I'm, I'm riding a... I wanted to call it The Ultimate Guide to Amazon Puffers, um, but then I was like, but what if it's not The Ultimate? What if there's a better one out there? And also, they're not a fish that I'm expert enough, I don't think, to write The Ultimate Guide, but I'm writing an article on them for the uh, May edition of the Dancefish newsletter, which I know is late. <laughs> we try to release those on the first of the month, but um, with everything going on, I didn't want to wing it. I wanted to write a really good in-depth article. So um, I've I've been reading a lot of scholarly articles on the Amazon Puffer. There's been a lot of research done on them in the wild, which is pretty cool. So I'll have an article um, on them uh, that's pretty detailed to, to hopefully help people keep them better. And it's going to be based purely on what I've experienced personally, and what I've read in scholarly articles. So I'm not going to repeat any lore or anything like that. and I'll I'll cite my sources and things. So um, it should be a legitimate, hopefully helpful, non-BS kind of thing. If I do it right, I mean, (laughs) I can always find a way to slip some BS in, even if I don't mean to. (laughs) But (laughs) hey, we've got it. let's see here. So Pippi Longstocking, what should we call the male version? Pepe? Here we go. We have Pippi and we have Pepe. (laughs) Thanks, Cares Aquatics and Exotics for being inclusive. (laughs) Appreciate the super chat. Um, Southern Aquatics, I've been looking on getting cherry shrimp. Is a pH of six okay for them, or is that low? So, I mean, I think hardness is more the measure carbon hardness to think about than pH necessarily, but what I will say is, cherry shrimp, I don't think naturally want a pH of 6, but they're so rock solid, I think they're probably going to be okay. Now, that being said, I've never kept them in that, but I have kept them down to around 6.6, and that wasn't a problem. Now, pH scales are logarithmic, so um, each time you go from like six to seven that's like a 10x difference from what I understand so um, or maybe is that just from seven to six or is that each decimal place I can't remember but anyway a small change in the number of pH measure is a large change in the pH itself so um, just cuz I've been able to keep them at 6.6 doesn't mean for sure they'll be okay at six So southern aquatics I haven't tried it at that low pH but they seem rock-solid I'd be surprised if there was a problem um, but it could be, so that's my answer. I don't know. <laughs> we got there eventually. Does anyone here keep a uh, cherry shrimp at a pH of around six or so? If you do, could you chime in and let us know what your experience was so we can help Southern Aquatics out better than me finally rambling to the point of saying, I don't know. <laughs> this is cat punching me in the face from kitty 8 Thank you so much for the super chat. Always appreciated, never required, but it does make my wife Brenda super happy when money falls out of the screen. Verily Verily Casey, do you have panda pandacories? I do and let me check here I I think I just I think I just put some on dancefish.com but I haven't got a picture of them yet no I don't hang on I need to put them in don't I? yeah I have them, I have 25 of them available. So I'll go ahead and add some. Um, they are about an inch right now and uh, here we go. So Let's add those. Let me make sure that I don't have old information. Yeah they're about an inch. Yeah I just did this in a hurry and must have forgot to post. Wait, it says deactivate item. Well, that's weird. It it must be posted then, but it wasn't there. So what happened? Pandacori's deactivate item. Okay, let's try this again. Post item. There's a disturbance in the forest. Panda. Panda. Panda Pandacori. Okay, there they are. They're listed now. I don't know what I did wrong before. Whoa, that's weird. Like my screen, look at that. It like shifted chat over there. I don't know what happened there. Oh, yeah, I do. I drugged something thinking I was on the other screen. (laughs) Hang on, let me fix that. There we go. Okay, how's that? That's a little better. (laughs) It's live, folks. That's how you know. All right. So I will get some pictures of them, but they look like your standard panda quarry, about one inch. Dan White, what fish are selling better than expected right now? Um, oh, what was it? Oh, the uh, dwarf anchor catfish. I got the dwarf anchor catfish in. I've always liked them, um, and I, I got them in kind of thinking, I don't think that many people are going to be into these. Um, but turns out, lots of people want a peaceful little nano catfish. So. They're, they're selling like crazy, so that's the one that surprised me right now. There might be a couple others, but that's the one that comes to mind. In fact, Random Arms and I were just talking about it the other day, like, holy cow, <laughs> should have brought these in earlier. Um, Michelle E, do you recommend a liquid fertilizer? Michelle, I know almost nothing about plants. The only fertilizer I use is the fish food I put in the tanks. But um, I also don't keep that many plants. I just keep like super hardy stuff that even I can't kill. Um, yeah, I I don't use it, but I'm not the right guy to ask. I I'm not I'm not good at plants. They're not my focus. New Mexico Aquatics. Hey, little Bobby. Tips for spawning and raising pseudomugil Gertrude, Thank you. Okay. So if I was just starting my first time trying to breed the spotted blue eye, Pseudomugil gertrude, here's what I think I would do. I would get two aquariums. This first step you don't have to do if you don't have two aquariums. But I get two aquariums, I put males in one, females in the other and fatten the females up really well. Now you can do them together without this but if you do this you'll get a lot more eggs from the get-go and more eggs equals more opportunities to succeed right Um, so I would separate them feed the females and the males really good for a week or two until the females are getting a little plump and then and I'd have a lot of floating plants on the top maybe some spawning mops in the corner maybe a big big chunk of java moss on the bottom so just lots of plants like half the tank just choked with plants and maybe a spawning mop on the other side a little free swimming space on on one side right sponge filter mature well seasoned cycled tank take the males put them in with the females and I leave them in there for for a couple days and then I would take them both out and wait a couple weeks and I'd be very surprised if you didn't see a bunch of little fry starting to appear and raise up in there, now I'd have infusoria or rotifers or paramecium um, or a tank full of green water available, and that's what I would feed them at first. And I'd have food in front of those babies all the time, all day long, until they're big enough to eat baby brine shrimp reliably, and then I'd switch to that. So I think that's what I'd do separate the sexes, have Make sure the female's tank is ready to accept eggs and and has a lot of life and is well matured and stuff so there's lots of food there for the fry, Um, lots of hiding places for the eggs in the fry. Um, Put the males in that tank, after a couple days take them out. That's what I would try. Now if you don't have any tiny live foods, you could try powdered foods on top of the water but you'll have better success if you just grow them in a cloud (laughs) of food it's alive so it doesn't foul the water okay guppy barn aquatics throwing down a super chat and saying do you have any updates on the warehouse I don't um, I knew someone was gonna ask I was gonna try to avoid it <laughs> just because I hate this situation right now so we have to build a micro remover and we're at the point now where it's all designed and stuff and we've ordered the parts and we're just still waiting for the rest of the parts to come manufacturing and supply lines right now are a huge mess especially for pvc pipe but for a lot of things it's 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 a mess and so we don't know exactly how long it's going to be before the stuff arrives as soon as the stuff arrives then we'll get it together and assemble that thing but um, We're just waiting for the suppliers to get us the things we need to assemble it. So that's where we're at. And I don't do good in this situation. I'm really poor about not being able to be proactive about something, I guess is the way to put it. So usually if I have a goal or a vision or something I want to accomplish, I can make it happen like I can figure out how myself or pull a friend in or something and we can make it happen somehow on more or less our timeline. This is a situation where literally I've done everything I can and I'm just helplessly waiting for some parts to arrive. Like there's that's that's where I'm at. So that's where I'm at. I'm just waiting for the parts to come so we can assemble this beast, and um, and everything else is ready. We got the uh, anti-scale devices in to prevent the calcium carbonate buildup. We got like everything else is done. Um, just just waiting on that. So that's where we're at, um, and it's the worst place for me to be. I don't do well in that situation. I just I don't do well when when. When I have to rely on others, um, no. Okay, that makes me sound like I'm not a good team player. I think I am, but when I'm literally stuck, when I've done everything I can and all I can do now is wait and maybe bother the part suppliers occasionally. <laughs> not that that's going to help them move any faster. I think they're doing all they can. So yeah, that's where we're at. It's killing me, man. It's it's killing me. I just I want to be in there like. You know months ago so this is killing me <laughs> all right um scrolling here chat jumped a bit let me see here oh i missed one did i just a second i think i did i think i missed Uh, Michelle E. Oh no, not that one. There was one here about that. There it is. The Tiny Acara candidi. You know, they're called the Dwarf Black Stripe Cichlid, and and that's apt because um, they do have a black stripe and they are a dwarf. They're a beautiful fish. Check these guys out. For those that don't know this fish, this is what we're talking about. Um, And I know it's not actually Tiny Acara, it's like Taini Acara, but I like tiny acara because they're these little tiny, almost nano fish, and um, they—they're uh, beautiful. So we should call them the see the black dwarf black striped cichlid. I get that, but since they're called candidi, I was like we should call these candy cichlids. That's what they should be called. But that ship has sailed. But they really are this beautiful, beautiful little cichlid. So that's what we're talking about. Um, so. Um, Steven Situ this is my first time keeping this fish and I've only had them for a few weeks what I'm keeping them in in my tap water here is naturally oh, isn't that a good view Is well, it's probably better than this view is naturally soft my, my tap water is naturally soft so it's about 3 grains DGH, calcium carbonate which equals maybe 20... It's three about 20, 20, 21 parts per million calcium carbonate, which means it's very, very, very soft. pH hangs around neutral. Last time I checked it, I think we were at 6.6, um, but then sometimes it'll be up around 7.4, so you know, right around neutral. So that's the only thing I've tried keeping them in. However, I am confident they will do perfectly well in hard alkaline water. Um, I Almost all soft water fish will. The one thing, though, is not every fish that's in hard water does well with spawning, or in soft water does well spawning in hard water. Sometimes hard water can, for some reason, just makes it seem really difficult to get fertile spawns or get the eggs um, to develop. So I don't know if this fish is in that category or not. So that's the only caveat. Will they thrive in hard water? Absolutely. Alkaline water? Absolutely. But will they be successful spawning that i don't know so that's my thoughts on that um without a whole lot of experience i don't i haven't had them that long so i don't know that much about them swamp thing i'm moving my favorite fish tomorrow to my new house congrats by the way on the move the Kalijamas. it's not as um it's not as far as your airport runs just a short three hour drive away but do i need your pro level fish trip playlist suggestions but i do need your pro okay fish Trip playlist suggestions. All right. So, um, what I usually do is I I download, um, live streams and listen to them while I'm driving. Um, so, you know, there's, there's several of them out there. Um, I always listen to Steenfot. I always listen to, um, I think, I don't think I've ever missed an aquarium co-op live stream. Not live, but on replay. Um... Oh, there's several of these. I'm going to stop saying which ones because then I'll leave someone out and they'll feel bad. But um, that's what I usually do for that. Or I'll get a book on tape or download a podcast or something. As far as, like, music goes, well, I guess you'll need to listen to fish, P-H-I-S-H. Right? (laughs) Here you go. Here is... Your music of choice. Fish. <laughs> there you have it. That's that's what I should have gone with. Fish, of course. Fish for your fish trip. Kelly Foreman. Just bought a big group of blue Axelradi Tetras. Woohoo. Oh, you're going to love them. That is such a cool fish. Such a cool fish. That's another one we got a great batch of, too. Didn't No pinch bellies. Didn't have to, like, do any rehab. Uh, just... Did the normal thing and they came in great and were ready to go without big delays. So that's another one that I often have to take six or eight weeks to nurse back to health before I can sell them. But not this batch, so I think they'll do well for you. Good to hear from you, Kelly. Good to see you. ABC Aquatic Biotope Creations. I heard you may be looking for natives. I'm breeding Rainbow Shiners, Mountain Red-Bellied Day, Saffron Shiners, and Piedmont Shiners. Currently have over well, well over 300 Rainbow Shiner fry if interested shoot i just ordered some but i'll take them anyway um i always yes i'm very interested in aquatic biotope creations if you would send us an email hello at dancefish.com that's h-e-l-l-o at dancefish.com um i think all those would probably be good the the only caveat is i keep the in the warehouse i'll be keeping the water temperature around 78 degrees or so call it call it 77 to 80 degrees to be safe now I know the rainbow shiners will do okay and I know them oh I don't know if mountain red-bellied dace will or not um, I've kept uh, southern red-bellied dace but I haven't kept mountain red-bellied dace so in the email um, if say 78 degrees or so thereabouts is too high a temperature I won't be able to keep the fish but do keep in mind super clean water um, well oxygenated constant flow through so um, we can probably keep it a little higher temperature than you could in your average aquarium but I know some of those shiners don't like it too hot. Well some shiners I don't know about those specifically. But yeah I'm very interested. You have Piedmont shiners oh those are awesome. Kiz Aquatics and Exotics spreading the love with a huge super chat. Bob thank you so much. I don't see a, a comment. I hope I didn't miss one. Bob thank you. It's a huge super chat. I much, much appreciated, and much love right back to you, my friend. Much love to the cod father. Invert genetics. What's in the tank behind you? Well, besides a fine patina of green spot algae, um, we have clouded archerfish. That's to- toxotos blithii which is the uh, Burmese clouded archerfish. It's It's a pure freshwater species of archer fish, so you don't have to worry about um, brackish or salt or anything with these. Um, Electric blue acaras. These are my breeding colony. Get tons of fry from these guys. (laughs) Way more than I... I often don't even raise them all, because I'm like, man, I can't even handle that many babies. And then these are roseline barbs and uh, gold roseline barbs. We also have some steel blue apistos in here. Some... um, Starry Night Plecos. Is that what they are? I think it's the L-180. Is it the 182? can't remember which number. 180-something. One of those black ancestress with white spots on it. And then um, we also have... I don't know if you can see them over here. A bunch of skunk Corys. Uh, Corydoras arcuatus, in here as well. I think... I think that's it. I don't think I missed anybody. I'm really tempted to put like... A dozen of those Amazon puffers in that tank um, but I'm gonna be moving to new locations soon doesn't make sense and I think they might pick on the archer fish and the um, corridors I think I think scales might go missing and fins might get frayed fun fact in the wild 8% of the Amazon puffer um, puffers diet is fish scales so you have to be really careful what you keep them with, because they will eat the scales on fish. They are a scale eater. Not not huge, but 8%, and that's a good portion of the diet. Um, Richard Reynolds, are all the half-beak's live bearers? Kind of. As far as I know, they all practice internal fertilization. Now, I could be wrong about some of that. But as far as I remember, they all practice internal, internal, why can't I say that word? <laughs> have sex and um but some of them release fertilized eggs instead of live young it's interesting um there are other live bears that do that too there's some goodiids most of the goodiids give birth to live young but a few don't they uh they have internal fertilization and they uh drop eggs instead of live young in fact some killifish do this as well um it's a thing that that seems to be, I wouldn't say super common, but more common than you might expect. Chevy Fish let me know that KP gave a $3 super chat. KP, thank you so much. I'm sorry I missed it. Um, it. It didn't show up in the normal notification for super chat. So, sorry I didn't see it, but thank you so much for the super chat. Always appreciate it, never required. Um if there was a comment with that I can't see it so I apologize i will be missing the um, the super chat uh, the comment JNP are large autos comparable to Siamese algae eaters for cleanup kind of I don't think autos are gonna eat hair algaes or blackbeard algaes or any of that they're gonna want to eat more diatom algaes so and they're going to be better at cleaning smooth surfaces. They can get in some nooks and crannies and stuff, but I don't know if they'll get like... You know that part of the plant where the, the stem shoots off the little leaf or whatever and you get that little spot there that algae can grow right in that little joint? Um, I'm not sure autos are going to get right down into that. I think a Siamese algae eater is going to be better at small crevices than a giant auto. So, I don't think they're going to eat the same, uh, all the different kinds of algaes that an al- a, a, a Siamese algae eater would eat. But if you just have diatom algae, they'll do a pretty good job, especially on the smoother surfaces. Samuel Joseph Fernald, favorite species of freshwater gobies? Oh, already got that one. Rhinogobius duospillus. Alex, you know, although I, I have to say, a lot of the stiphodons are gorgeous, a lot of the um Siciopus are gorgeous. It's just for nostalgic reasons. If I was going what's like what what goby would I put in a tank to make it super pretty? I'd be going with stiphodon uh Rutilarius or um stiphodon or something like that or Atroproporaeus is really pretty, Pelawensis is really pretty. Um, Some of those are super pretty. There's some Rhinogobius with good color too, though. Alex, best plants with black moors, not eating them, have lots of advice, and have a red flame sword, Amazon sword, and a bunch of java fern, what would you recommend? So as a guy that knows nothing about plants and nothing about goldfish, I would probably go with the java fern or maybe Anubius but I don't know that much about them. Maybe a really hardy Val would be okay too. Um, but again, I know nothing about plants or goldfish. So let's, let's, let's uh, source the crowd mind here, the hive mind. So if you guys have successfully kept plants with goldfish, what plants were they? Could you chime in and let us know to help Alex out? Because I don't know. Ira says, thank you, Ira, you're welcome. Alexandra Henry, any tips on discus? Yes. Okay, I'm going to assume that the basic things are all there. You're keeping them hot. I'd recommend 84 to 86 degrees. Um, 86 degrees is really nice for a discus, believe it or not. At that temperature, water doesn't hold oxygen well, so I would also keep the water pretty darn clean. I'd keep them hot, I'd keep them clean, and I would also... um, Oh, I just had another thought and it left me. Oh, hot and clean. The other thing about the water being warm, this is what I was going to say, is that any uneaten food or anything rots really quickly. So ammonia can develop really fast. Protozoan colonies can boom. Bacterial colonies can boom really quickly at those high temperatures. So uh, that's that's just another reason to keep them really clean. Besides that stuff, which you probably know, that's kind of basic discus stuff, besides that I would say it's all about your source if you start with discus that are unhealthy it's going to be difficult to get them healthy I don't have a source I can just recommend just because I don't I haven't been in that game for a while but I would say that's probably what matters most vet your source carefully and get them from a really reputable source. And if you have to pay more money, pay the money. get the healthy discus. Um, you know there is someone that um, that raises discus and sells them and breeds them and has good lines. His name's Joe. is it Gar- Gargus, Joe Gargus? Um, he has like the, what is it, the Water Research Center or something like that. He sells really small discus, um, but he's bred them and raised them himself. So you'd have to raise them up, but they're not going through the stress of import. And um, they come from, from pretty good stock and really good care. So that might be somewhere to check. Um, Joe Gargas. But I I really think the source matters on Discus. Uh, Don't don't go cheap and get bad Discus to start. All right, just a quick note here, guys. Um, Please don't spam the chat. Please just list your question or comment once and, um, and, and call it good. Putting it multiple times does not help me see it more. Now, the caveat to that is if chat jumps, and it's cut off your question or comment so I can no longer see it, then please feel free to list it again. But it makes the mod's uh, life kind of difficult when we get repeats and repeats and repeats, right? So, like, Joshua Heffelfinger, love ya. Like the question. Um, We only needed to post it once, though. I would have got it. Okay, John Keith Gardner, do we have a timetable? Okay, I already got to that one. Just have to get through the Lavamisol treatments. We're almost there. Jess Aquatics, why are wild plecos, aka like L134, more difficult for you than like wild angelfish or tetras? I don't know. Um, I think, well, I, I know some things. So I know the supply chain for a lot of the plecos is long and complex. Especially if they're caught in Brazil and then smuggled over to Colombia or something. So it might just be time in the supply chain. During which they're not kept in optimal conditions. They're in route. They maybe aren't eating well and and all that. The other thing is they're a bottom feeding fish. And often bottom feeding fish can pick up parasites, right? There's there's lots of stuff down there. So um, I think it's probably a combination of a complex supply chain that they're in for a long time, um, not enough food, and in those stress conditions without enough food, the parasite load, or, or other pathogens, are gaining a foothold. So I think that's what it is. Yeah. Now that being said, I have not brought wild plecos in for a long, long time. Um, just because there, there were constant problems. I have a supplier now that I've talked with and I'm gonna try one species on my next order. It'll be a wild Pleco. I think this one will come from Columbia. Um, and I'll just see how that one goes. I've been, I've been impressed with how they've done auto The The autos I got from them have done pretty well. So I'm going to try some of their um, Plecos as well. So, we'll see. This is a supplier that's working with me to, you know, pack the fish more humanely, packing less density. Um, They've worked with us with temperature sensors to get the temperatures right and and all that kinds of things. So, I'm I'm comfortable trying them. So, I'll give them a whirl again because it's been over a decade since I've tried wild plecos and maybe some improvements have been made. Alright, we are at 820. I'll get to the rest of these as much as I can. And uh, hang on real quick. Chat jumped, so that's why I'm scrolling. The next one I can see is Glass Box Aquarius. What are you feeding the anchor cats? I'm feeding them mostly frozen foods. Frozen brine shrimp, frozen bloodworms, um, some live baby brine, things like that. Um, I am also dropping in some sinking pellets and things. But I, I sink in large pellets so that if they don't eat them, I can scoop them out well. Uh, without them you know disintegrating so some like massive or pellets bites, things like that and they are disappearing but i think it's a lot of it's probably the snails <laughs> eating on that the anchor cats it's kind of hard to observe because um they're going to mostly come out they're a nocturnal animal but um i have observed them eating the frozen foods so that's what i'd recommend for them Crowntail Halfman, can you share your methods for culturing rotifer freshwater type? I mostly do just green water or, um, or random infusoria. I would refer you to Mark's Aquatics YouTube channel. He's got a whole series. Um, there is a video where he's breeding, I think, neon tetras, um, or was it zebra danios? One of those two. And he, he shows in detail how he co- cultures infusoria, and I do it kind of the same so I would refer you to uh, to his channel but usually what I like to do is uh, a big green water tank and it's got green water and all kinds of little infusorian and stuff in it and um, often I'll turn my scud tanks into green water tanks and feed fry from those so I haven't done like a a dedicated rotifer culture geez in a long long time Orange cones, hey, Dan, are the parts coming from Tipper Tie? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we're. <laughs> Sheesh. We are uh, eight months out, so we'll see. I, I mean, I don't expect. I, I'm, I think we're within a couple weeks of being able to get this thing going, but um, the, the microbubble remover, yeah. Jeez. Nothing like Tipper Tie. <laughs> Anthony B. Got my first order from your team, Krobia and Goldie Tamika, they're looking great, thanks for being awesome. Hey Anthony, I'm glad that you took a, uh, a gamble on us and tried us and I'm glad the fish are doing well. Um, thanks for letting us know, we appreciate that. And anyone that had a bad experience, if your fish died on you or came in in bad shape or anything, y- you can post that too. We're transparent here, we do not mind the feedback, we encourage it. So you can do that here or you can send us an email, hello at dancefish.com. Um, like, in my mind, the last three weeks have been pretty much problem-free, right? And in general, we're problem-free. If someone has a problem and doesn't tell me, then I just keep doing what I'm doing, thinking everything's going well. So I really appreciate the feedback if something goes wrong so we can fix it. Like, if I have a tank of fish and they look good to me, but during the stress of shipment, Uh, a disease is taking hold and when they get to you they're not doing well if you don't tell me that i'm not going to know and i'm going to keep sending those fish to other people and spreading that around that's not good we don't want that so we appreciate any and all feedback especially when things go wrong we we like the other two don't get me wrong it it motivates us it keeps it's great to share with the team when people are like man i've never seen better packaging or These fish settled in and started eating right away things. Or, this is a fish I've been trying to get for years, never could have success, um, but yours are living for me and it's been three months. You know, stuff like that. That that really floats our boat. And we like that. And that helps keep us motivated. But the the problems we need to know as well. So we like both. Jesse Kian, what are your water parameters? Soft, um, about 21 parts per million, carbon hardness, um and that's kind of all that matters (laughs) i mean ph fluctuates because it is soft but right around seven depends on when we're testing yep now in the new fish warehouse we're going to have that soft water but we're also going to have access to to really nice hard water too which will be nice alex is asking me about breeding cutter cichlids um I don't know that one. I imagine it's a eye. What is that? Crypto Heroes. Oh! I almost brought these in. Crypto Heroes Eye, if that's the one you're talking about. Um, but then I, I dug into them a bit and was finding out that people were ordering these and getting sent um, Convict Cichlids instead. I didn't want to take that risk. I, the last thing I want is a tank full of convict cichlids. I love convict cichlids. They're one of the f- first fish I bred and raised early on. But I could never get rid of them. I would not know what to do with them. And I don't have a local fishkeeping population big enough to absorb them. And I know I couldn't sell them online. So, um, so I, I didn't bring them in. I don't know, Alex. I've never kept that fish before. I just like it. I like what it looks like, but I don't have any experience with it. Oh, hail the Monger Nation! Hey, how's it going, Yoda Kraken? How to clear cloudy h 20 How to clear a cloudy H2O55 gallon tank? I can tell you're on a phone. No natural plants. Hang on back filters. Change the filter media. Clean the gravel and decker. Five angels, tetras, corys, plecos. Make me hero. It's the wife's tank. Okay. So my best advice for clearing a cloudy tank is simply to turn off the light and cut the feed back to about half of what you're feeding. Do those two things. Um, keep doing your normal water changes. You don't have to do a big big scrub or anything like that. Turn off the light. Cut the feed by half. Keep up on your water changes. It's going to take a few weeks, but it should go away. I don't know of any quick, quick fix or any kind of permanent thing. It's. It's just a ratio of, depending on the kind of cloudiness, of light and nutrients if we're talking about algae, uh, of nutrients if we're talking about white cloudy. Um, But uh, usually that stuff will balance out. Now one thing you can do also, this might help too, is you can get floating plants on there. Um, You can get like water sprite, or it needs to be something that grows quick and probably has a kind of long root system would be ideal and floats. Water Sprite's awesome. Um, and once that gets established and growing, it takes a while to get established and growing, but once it does, it helps cut light down in the water column and it absorbs lots of the excess nutrients that can be powering cloudy water. The other thing is just time. You could do nothing, just give it time, and it will probably clear out. It'll just take a little longer. Are Nanostome is okay for a high-flow hillstream tank? No. Pencilfish... Uh, can't take the high flow. So I, I, would, I would not do that, Sean's worth. With that, we're at time for the giveaway. So today's giveaway, in case you didn't know, let me go to Facebook oddly enough, is, is uh, provided by the Iowa Aquatics Hobbyist Facebook group. Right here. Very active group. Seems to be a positive place to interact. So if you're looking for a Facebook group, want to chat with some nerds, Uh, that like aquariums, then check out the Iowa Aquatic Hobbyist Facebook group. And the giveaway is for a group of red cherry shrimp, at least 15, at least a few of which will be buried females. So let's just do that now. And I want to thank the Iowa Aquatic Hobbyist Facebook group for uh, for doing this. They're, They're providing all the giveaways for all four weeks in the month of May. So that's pretty awesome. 210 eligible users. And the winner is Medina Aquatics. Medina Aquatics, congratulations. You have won a group of red cherry shrimp from the Iowa Aquatics Hobbyist Facebook group, provided by Brian Klein. Thank you. Or Bryson, not Brian. Thank you, Bryson. You have ten minutes to chime in. and Let us know that you're here, and then you'll have won. If you don't chime in in two minutes, we'll draw someone else. Them's the breaks. Joshua... Uh, Heffelfinger, any suggestions for fish or anything to take care of white algae? So I don't know what I, white algae is. I think we're talking about white cloudy water, in which case I would say time, cut food in half. Um, I'm assuming you do normal, regular water changes and take maintenance. I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily change that. And floating plants can help as well. So kind of the same things um, that we're talking to Yoda Kraken about, or Al, Al about Ira Nelson, is there a shrimp-safe fish to take out hair algae? Shrimp safe. Uh, no, but would a mono-shrimp do it? I mean, small Siamese algae eaters are going to be shrimp safe unless the shrimp molts and doesn't have a rock pile to hide in. Um, they might pick off small shrimp, though. I think adults would probably be okay. Eh, it's a little dicey. I don't know I I think if you're I think I would do a bunch of a mono shrimp maybe hair algae is tough though Um, manually removing as much as you can is is probably helpful and then maybe an army of a mono shrimp to help but I can't think of like like totally shrimp safe that also eats hair algae that's a tough one to eat hair algae you have to have some pretty strong uh, jaws with some pretty good teeth and anything that has that Like, I've seen uh, Florida flagfish fry less than a quarter inch, absolutely decimate cherry shrimp. (laughs) So, um, I know those can't work, although those can eat the algae just fine. And I think Siamese algae eaters might be fine when they're small, but it's a little dicey. All right, Medina Aquatics is here. Congratulations, Medina Aquatics. You have won. Please send a... um, an email to hello at dancefish.com with your first and last name and your mailing address and all forward that on to the folks over at Iowa, Iowa Aquatic Hobbyist Facebook group who are providing the shrimp for the giveaway and we'll get you sorted. Congrats thanks for playing it is eight thirty-one. we are out of time and so we're gonna have to cut it out here. Um, Timbo taking it easy I see that you have a question about an issue with some Bolivian rams Um, If you would email me that, hello at dancefish.com, we'll get you sorted. I don't have time to take care of it now because we are, we're at curtain. All right, thanks for being here, everybody. I want to thank my moderators for being here and doing what they do. Couldn't do this without you folks, and I appreciate you. Thanks everyone that threw money at us. Super chats are super helpful, never required, but it's super nice when money falls out of the computer screen, especially when you're a startup company like us, every little bit helps. So cheers. Thank you. Folks that left questions and comments and were active in the chat, thanks for being active. Um, folks that are lurking, hail the Lurker Nation. Listening on the replay, that's how I usually take in live streams as well. At that point, they're not live streams anymore. I guess they're dead streams. <laughs> so anyway, thanks for being here on the replay. If you're listening to the podcast, thanks for listening. And especially thank you to Michael Mellier for, uh, for making the podcast possible. Punchy Paints is going next in about half an hour So check out Punchy Paints if you want more Fish Geek Tube community chat with some art. Punchy's a phenomenal artist. Um, Yeah, we'll be back same time next week. Same bat channel. Same bat time. Until then, I hope you have a good one. Thanks. Bye-bye.